0: squad soldiers shouldered their weapons and marched in the opposite direction while they were led into the ornate building. Inside, the woman was whisked away by another handler before Kurt came face to face with the leader of North Korea. He sat for the photos with his face carefully blank. Like President Clinton, he tried to look like an empty suit. Four long hours after landing in Pyongyang, he and Mara were reunited on the jet. He took a deep breath of relief and studied her across a small table in the main cabin. She appeared even smaller, huddled under a plush blanket. She looked out the window. Her whole body trembled as they raced down the runway. The nose of the plane lifted. A second later, they were fully airborne. Pyongyang faded into the distance as they climbed to cruising altitude. Kurt pulled out his cell phone and a minute later said, Mr. President, we're in the air. Mara couldn't stop trembling. She burrowed under the blanket and tucked it around her knees, but the quaking wouldn't stop. She leaned her forehead against the window and forced herself to breathe slowly. Below, North Korea faded from view. She took another deep breath and exhaled. Fogging the glass and erasing the outside world. The knot of tension in her belly began to uncoil. Here. Ginger ale should help. She turned to see the man who'd saved her life standing in the aisle, frowning at her and holding out a drink, with ice. The clink of the ice against the glass conjured the memory of the lukewarm water her captors had provided with her daily serving of kimchi. She'd eaten while sitting on the cold, hard floor of her tiny cell, surrounded by thick concrete walls that blocked all sound and light. She'd endured many things while imprisoned, and lukewarm water didn't even rate a mention on the most detailed list of grievances. Yet the sight of the clear cubes triggered a rush of emotions. Sadness, joy, guilt, and fear all tumbled over one another. Pathetic to face a firing squad only to be brought low by a handful of ice. She rubbed her temples, trying to hide her struggle to stave off tears. She was lucky to be alive, to have this nutty breaking point, and she had the man in front of her to thank for that. The fact that he was the U.S. attorney prosecuting her uncle only made his heroic actions more baffling. Marginally composed, she accepted the cold glass. Thanks she said, and downed the soda in one long drink. She set the empty glass on the table, revived by the sugary jolt, and then faced him. His hazel eyes studied her, causing her belly to flutter and cheeks to heat. Her emotions were seriously whacked if Kurt Dominic, of all people, caused a fluttery reaction. But he'd flown halfway around the world at a moment's notice to save her. Didn't that warrant a major change in her opinion of him? She shook off her reaction. She could freak out about it later. Right now, she had questions that needed answers. The plane is empty, she said. Where is everyone? Pyongyang insisted I come alone. No envoy team, just me and the pilots. The information surprised her, but he'd misunderstood. No, I meant where is my j team? Where is Jeanie Fuller? Where is Evan Beck? Where are the others? He startled. You don't know? She shook her head. No one would tell me. And I had to be careful with what I said. I didn't know if they were being tried as well. If they were, then my words could be used against them. She paused and stared at the condensation gathering on the glass in front of her seeing instead Roddy's easy confidence as he drove her away from the safety of the site and straight to the demilitarized zone. But I'm here and they aren't. Where are they? She held her breath, grateful she'd finally know the truth. If her team was safe, then keeping her silence about what Roddy had done would be worth it. They arrived in the US two days after you were arrested her pent-up breath left in a rush. All of them? Yes. Including Roddy. Don't focus on that. Think about the team. Jeannie, her best friend.